Hello, hello, it's time for another episode of Lovecast Peasantry. Ian, Bahir and Uma with you. Another week of dissections into the wonderful world of HBO's Lovecraft Country. Last week, Ian called it. This was going to be a flashback episode, and it was! Um, after the phone conversation that Tick had with uh, Gia, we start right back in South Korea during the war. You said I called it over the weekend. I called a lot of things last week. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to stick! <laughs> I was I was also I think I, I think I was like I hope it's not a flashback episode because there's only four episodes left and I think it would be a bit of a digression and I think this was and I'm I was reminded this morning actually just thinking about it do you remember when they were doing Doctor Who uh, I think it was a David Tennant years right episodes like Blink and things like that came up because the, the actual schedule of doing a full season of TV is pretty hardcore and they build in breaks and I'm beginning to realize HBO also I mean. We've had two Tick and Letty Light shows because we've had Ruby's Strange Case and now we have this episode. And I think it is like even, you know, pre-COVID, there was probably a lot of pressure on a HBO show to get things done as quickly as possible. And sometimes the actors need a break. Yeah, I mean, there mm. is that. But also, I think this episode goes a long way to explain why... Jamie Chung is featured in a starring role. I mean, her name appears yeah. in the credits. and All the time? Yeah. Yep. And I think this explains why, as in, she has an incredibly important part to play in the story. So I thought that watching this episode, uh, which is called Meet Me in Daegu, which is, of course, a reference to Meet Me in St. Louis, which she's watching at the opening of the, the Judy Garland movie she's watching at the opening of the show, even more so than uh, Ruby's story last week, it felt like this was more of a setup for something big to come, especially by the time the episode wrapped. Mm. Well, this is for the foundation of um, the Justice League International. I mean, uh, the Lovecraft Country International. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. That's exactly yeah, yeah, it. True. Yeah. Uh, we had yeah. our own little K-drama going on, man. <laughs> that was like romance and war. Yeah. <laughs> Monsters. Yeah. Only thing missing was time travel. But, you know, that's coming soon, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it is weird. Like, I've been watching, you know, I watch HBO to get away from the K-drama. So it's like, you can't escape it. Um, very very smart things yet again which Misha Green keeps doing oh so this episode was written by Misha Green and Kevin Lalt and uh, it is directed by Helen Shaver who interesting point to note did the voice this, yeah. of Littlefoot's mother in Land Before Time one of my favorite yes. movies of all time well, she, she, has, she has a short role if I, if I recall, a short sad role if I recall correctly yeah. is that right <laughs> exactly um, but, but, but what, uh, Misha Green kind of does is mirror Meet Me in St. Louis, which takes place across four seasons, right? Mm. And so Meet Me in Daegu does the same thing. Oh, all right. I didn't spot that. I mean, I noticed that the, the time breaks because I was Googling, frantically Googling, when was the Korean War again? Okay. Do you remember when Mando came out and there were a lot of people who kept getting annoyed at the side episodes because they mm. felt it was just filler. Spoilers, The Mandalorian is just filler for the Star Wars universe. <laughs> exactly. The whole thing. What is, it, what is it? What do they do for Japanese games? It is basically Star Wars Gaiden, right? The side stories is what they call Gaiden? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, so this is Lovecraft Country Gaiden. Only that's the wrong language, so whatever the version is in Korean. Whoops. I mean, I quite enjoyed the filler episodes just because I thought it, it went a long way to build a character between um, the baby and Mando. 
And there was mm. always some kind of character development going on, even though it felt on the face of it, we don't know what's going to happen in season two, that the encounters he makes along the way don't really have any real impact on the overall story. Um, I felt this was different, though. Yeah, I think I think when we... Did we did we do a Mandalorian podcast? I can't remember because that no. was 84 years ago. We didn't. No, we just watched it. Yeah. But by the time we got to the final episode, that was episode three of any other show. Like, you finally got their mission statement. I mean, Lovecraft Country is miles ahead of that in that you got the you got several mission statements in the yes. first episode they yeah. got flipped on their head in the second and it's been juggling mission statements and plot lines and what you think the show is every week beautifully uh i'm i'm not that i'm starting to get a little i don't know if i'm starting to get a little tired of the of the side quest stories now only because we've had two side quest stories in a row essentially uh last week with ruby and this week with this mm. uh and again, it's also I'm also mindful of what you said, Ian, about how there isn't that many episodes left. Uh, how close are they going to get to closing out the sort of mission statement of season one, as it were, mm. by the time season one comes to an end? And if 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 Su- uh, if Ruby and Gia don't have huge parts to play in episodes eight and nine, we're just going to feel cheated in that that we could have. Sure, yeah. this is stories that the, the move the the storytellers wanted to tell, but like compared to everything, not that he's a bad episode. It's just that compared to everything else that went that has gone on, there's been so much packed in. Like I think my notes for this are quite sparse for this episode. Well, I mean, the first half of the episode before Tick shows up kind of focuses on Gia, and mm, yeah, I have to say though. I didn't miss anyone. Mm. I, I keep going back to books like Game of Thrones and Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. And every time the author decides to dedicate an entire book to characters I don't give a shit about, I'm just like, come on, can we get back to the action, yeah. please? Yeah. And mm. I didn't actually miss anyone because the episode was so well written and she was so, com- she's amazing. She was so compelling to yeah. watch. She's Pedro Pascal in Game of Thrones. Right. Right, yeah. exactly. And there's far too little of him, right? Yeah, she's the Mandalorian again. And Oberyn Martell. I didn't know what was... I, I loved how I had no idea what was happening. Like her, when her mom at the beginning of the episode goes, your job is to bring back a man. Yeah. Of course, the implication initially is, yes, you bring back Marriage. a rich man yeah. to get married yeah. and then you save this family, right? But yeah. no. Yeah. No, but I think, I think just to go back to what you were saying, Uma, is that you didn't miss the main characters of of the show in this episode and you're right until Atticus shows up Hmm. as soon as Atticus shows up I'm like oh wait there's a different adventure here that I was invested in compared to this one I'm I'm currently wait this is Lovecraft Country I thought I thought we were watching some (laughs) K-drama yeah yeah, exactly yeah so it was that and um, and also I think that I liked how I liked how there's a confidence in the writing in that none of the stuff is explained up top there mm. isn't this this really sort of lame monologue by the mother telling Jai that she's a monster and that what that monster is. So they just start using the names and the terms and yeah. only sort of explain it later when the American shows up. It was a little, I, I thought it was a little bit forced where they were explaining the, the difference between, was it Banmal and Jondaymal, the, the different mm. formalities of, of, of Korean? Of but language. I guess that's kind yeah. of, that, that, that. there are 
there are some exposition jobs you just have to do. You for, just have to for do audiences. Yeah. I did yeah. see a tweet by somebody asking about, you know, wondering about how this show does from an Asian American perspective. I'm like, you as usual, we talked about this before. Uh, Uma is like, fuck the Asian American perspective. What's the Korean perspective on how this was yeah. done? Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Considering how good a job they've done with 1950s Black America, I I would hope that the Koreans involved. I mean, they. they Jamie Chung and the other actress, I mean, they presume they're Korean-American, right? Uh, Jamie Chung is Korean-American. I'm not sure about the other actress. Uh, but, of course, Jamie Chung's been around for ages, right? I mean, she's been... Yeah. Uh, I think she started in Real World, MTV, I think, uh, a long time ago. Um, wasn't she in one of the Hangover movies as well? Was she? Wasn't she? She's in Sucker Punch, right? Oh, yeah, she was in Sucker Punch, too. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Uh, the other lady was Cindy... Her mother was Cindy Chang, which I don't think sounds like a Korean name. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but... Uh, I'd be interested to see because they've done so well that it would be disappointing if they slipped up on the mm. representing another culture. Yeah. Did you notice the? So we get to the point where we figure out that all is not well in the uh, the household and that that big bedroom isn't just a big bedroom. I have to say, I love that she lights up one candle and the one whole candle. room goes boosh. Yeah. Is that how it went? I, was, I just thought she was. I just thought they were just like cutting out all the bits where she lit all the other ones. Oh no no! no. She lit no, one and everything goes. One. Also, oh, okay. the, also that first, also that first guy doesn't just fl- doesn't flinch at that moment, right? Mm. Which is absolutely you know cool. Who? James Kyson from know? Heroes. Yeah, there we go. Dude, yeah, I was yeah. going to say it's James Kyson from Heroes. <laughs> That's a quick little cameo. I haven't seen him in ages, and and to think yeah. that he had five minutes in this show, but also, yeah, uh, that has to be one of the most horrifying things we've seen so far. When it came, when the tails came out of her eyes, I was like, yeah. oh yeah. my god, yeah. There was a lot of swearing in this household. Uh, swearing, swearing or sweating? <laughs> swearing, because we would, we, me and my wife were just like, "What the fuck is going on right now?" Yeah, so we, we were, yeah, that was quite something. Yeah, I, I was resisting the urge to uh, Wikipedia what a kamiho was, but like frantically counting the tails because it's like if it's eight, she's some kind of spider. If it's nine, then it's the <laughs> nine tail fox. Because I don't know, I, I was I'd also trying to remember in my typing in my notes. Wait, are nine tail foxes? Japanese, Korean, where else? I don't know which which I don't I think fox spirits are Japanese, right? But nine tail yeah. fox is Korean. Yeah, I mean I mean to be fair, there's a lot of intermingling with folklore around the region. I mean, even when we were watching um The King Eternal Monarch, there was the thing with the red thread, and the red thread of fate kind of mm. runs through a lot of Chinese mythology, Japanese mythology, Korean mythology. Right. Greek mythology? I mean, wasn't the, the, the... I don't know, it was thread, but there was the thread of your life that the fates were hanging around with. Oh, right? yes, of just course. Because, you see, I, I mean, I would, you know, just reading the cliff notes of um, mythology, you know, Neil Gaiman, Sandman. Sandman. <laughs> and, and, of course, we saw the threads as well in Your Name, right? Uh, what the grandmother was doing in that anime. Uh, with oh, yeah. the threads of fate, so it's almost like it's a metaphor. So we find out quite um, <laughs> late into the episode that she is in fact a Kumiho. She isn't GI at all, and yeah. that she needs to sacrifice these hundred men uh, so that her mother can get her daughter back. Uh, but it's man number hundred, Tick, who brutally murders the person next to her friend in cold blood and is about yes. to kill her but instead her best friend kind of steps in and gets dragged away uh to be tortured um ends up well should be her next victim until she falls in love with him right uh my yeah. question is did you think that there was more of a i know she keeps saying that she's her best friend but it felt like there was 
romantic undertones in their relationship. Yeah. Like yeah, with the way she held like her it. hand yeah. and the way she would touch her hand afterwards. Uh, I don't know, because some of that I thought was just like the Kamiho had been constantly told she was incapable of love and wasn't really a person and was more of a monster. And having been treated like not that. Yeah. And like no one else touched her apart for, you know, as a prelude to getting horribly torn apart while your memories are sucked out of your head. So I think that was just a touching kind of friendship thing. And I think referring to as her best friend was the, the friend who got taken away, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I guess we we get to vis- we get to viscerally see um, what Tick was talking about when he said about the darkness that he found in the war that he didn't think was in him. Um, he's completely unsympathetic when he appears in this. You're like, screw that guy, right? Oh yeah, and I think I think that's what Jonathan Majors was referring to when he said, you know, you've met Atticus now. Wait till you meet Tick. And mm-hmm. I think one thing this show does really well is that it doesn't really shy away from showing atrocities and war as something completely horrific. Uh, But also it kind of pays off at the end of the episode in that conversation between the two of them of, you know, we've done monstrous things, but it doesn't make us monsters. And Mm. all of that kind of fits into the way Tick reacts to Montrose and the kind of other stuff that we've seen throughout the season so far, because he kind of knows all the things he's done and he's not judging anyone else. And so that makes a lot more sense. He's right. done bad things, but he's trying to be better. I think when Tick shows up, I mean, that's when you get a slightly different perspective of the Korean War. I guess for a lot of people in pop culture, you know, they, they, they don't make many movies about the Korean War anymore. I mean, like, you know, MASH might be a lot of people's point of reference. First the movie, mm. then the sitcom. And Longest running TV show still? I think The Simpsons might have overtaken that. Well, like live action one, so I oh, say. maybe, I maybe. Still, it might still hold that. Yeah, but we're, we're not talking about soap operas and stuff because then The Bold and The Beautiful just wins, I think. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or Days of Our Lives. Um, but with MASH, MASH was very critical of the war. I mean, it was, especially the sitcom, right? And it, and it did mm. it through satire. But in this movie, there is a sense of horror when the cinema starts shaking and the Americans show up and they're just like, fear not, we are here to save you. And the only thing yeah. going through my mind was, no, I am very afraid looking at you bastards. No, but also like, it's also interesting as how prior to that, their arrival, I mean, life was essentially not fine because obviously, uh, obviously Gia's family was is talking about struggling with, with winter coming and all that. But, and then the Americans show up and it's not really a, they supercharge the war. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Was, um, was it overlord, which is also, I think, which opened with the, the, the notes to the black GI or was that an earlier episode of this show? Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So there's there's parallels there with like the notes of like we're here to we're here to liberate you do not be afraid and it's like if you mm. have to say that you've already kind of <laughs> you've already yeah. lost the messaging. But also that messaging goes on right because we saw very similar messaging in Iraq as well uh, recently when the Americans went into the Iraq War we're here to save you we're here to liberate you mm. and that messaging mm. hasn't changed in seventy years. Um, mm. But also with the Korean War. Um, it was also the first American war which was fully integrated. And there were 600,000 African-American soldiers um, mm, right. in the Korean War. And so um, I think there is a lot of messaging that Misha Green does, but it's subtle messaging. It's it's critical, it's subtle, it's it's not 
in your face or preachy in any way. And I think that's something she's done throughout the series. I mean, are you, are you talking around the conversation where they just say, oh yeah, we're not welcome at home. We're outsiders everywhere. I mean, that's not, it's not preachy, I know, but it is in your face. It is, it's, <laughs> it's a bit in your face. And also it's very, very true. So it's, I mean, the, the, that, Korea, that American Korean guy is just like, yeah, I'm fucked no matter where I go. Correct. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of side beats um, in this one that are fantastic and interesting. Um, I think there's a, cartoon that plays before easter parade which is actually a hannah barbara cartoon called make mine freedom mm. you can find it on youtube you can find the full cartoon mm-hmm. uh on youtube and it's one of these uh, anti-communist uh propaganda films mm. it's just weird to hear it like with korean as opposed to what are, you, what are you doing boy what are you doing you know that kind of the kind of 1930s also, there was a there's a little sort of there was a little jaunt to a korean nightclub and they were playing a Korean version of Besame Mucho, which just yeah. sort of threw me for a spin. Right? Yeah, I was not expecting that. And and wasn't he singing in both Korean and Spanish? Because he was like going back and forth, right? No, no, he was just Korean. I think it was, was just it Korean? Korean. No, because he's singing. The, he was sing, that's, I was able to Google it because he's singing the title. And what do I know that from? Why do I know that song? The title is in the title is in is the original title because that's what. Uh, when they do it in English as well, so like Michael Bublé of Sinatra, when they do it, they sing Besame Mucho. That's the title. The court, but then everything else is in Korean. Gotcha. Ah, it like, makes okay. it sound familiar. Because was it in some other movie or TV show recently? Because I'm like, sure. Well, it's another one of those things that was driving me insane for a bit. Where I was <laughs> like, wait, I know this, but Besame Mucho doesn't sound familiar at all. And I don't listen to Bublé. <laughs> yeah. You don't lie, I mean, Ian McMally. You love Bublé. I mean, I'm on, the bu- I'm on the bubble when it comes to Bublé, when, you know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're just waiting for Christmas. And there's one thing, what, there's just that type of side stories. They just like there's going to be something that's going to be a meme that we should probably just grab the screenshot of with the subtitles while we can. Which is where Gia just tells uh, Tick about the book, and she says, you know, it's an interesting premise told poorly. We just we're just going to post reviews sometimes that are just going to be that picture. <laughs> save us, <laughs> save us agonizing over writing a review. Yeah. Every time someone clicks in, they just get that one picture. Look at that one picture. Yeah, Count of Monte Cristo shows up again, obviously. Um, because yeah. Tick seems to be obsessed with that book, and I'm sure that's going to play a much bigger role uh, in the remaining four episodes. Well, as he says, I think he even says, right? It's a, it's a way he wanted to get to, he wanted to get to know his father, but now he kind of the book, the coming to Korea. What was this? He said something about those, that that lines. Like he wanted, to, he wanted to read the book, to understand the book, to understand his father more. But he thinks coming to the war, he might understand him too well now, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, did you guys make out? everything that was going on when Gia read his mind. Uh, went through it slowly. I went through uh, it slowly as well. And was the lady playing his mother the same one that George met in the room? Wait, where was the mother bit? Uh, he's flying when, the uh, kite with his yeah. mother, right? Or with the oh, lady. I assumed it was the mother. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. I I wanted to, to sort of go back and do a couple of things. Like, is was Gia the same person that attacked Tick in the second episode? Did I don't think that? so. Right? It didn't look like her, right? I think no. I think it was Jamie Chung. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, what I was wondering about was it shows him lying in bed, Nikki, with some lady, and is like, is that the future or was it the past and he's a filthy, dirty liar? That's what I thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it started moving forward. And then, you know, you started seeing other stuff. And then I'm like, oh, maybe. Oh, so she's seeing into the forward. Yeah. So it's just quite interesting. Yeah. Because there's, so there's a scene of him getting baptized. Yes. And that's after he's gone to Chicago. So he gets the bus to Chicago, I presume, was the, the bus from the first episode. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But he doesn't, he, he's wearing, it looks like he's wearing a bomber jacket or something like that, right? When he's getting the bus ticket, it doesn't quite look like what he was 
Yeah. His his standard tick wardrobe, which is just like, you know, high t shirt and incredibly high belt. Yeah, yeah. Um then after that there was Letty looking over him, I think, and then mm. it has him strapped into something and perhaps dying. Yes. And mm. that's where and that clarifies the message we weren't sure about the previous weeks was she said, Don't go home, you'll die. Yes. It also kind of explains why he looks and sounds scared every time he phones her. Because I think he's mm. just like, oh my God, she got tails and shit coming out of her. Yeah, I mean, that's, I have to look the first, I don't remember, like the, say, the, the last time he called her, he was like that. What was the first reason time he called her about? He asked her about something? Did he actually uh, ask her about something? That was in the very first no. episode. He calls, but I think he doesn't, uh, but, so she says hello, and he doesn't say anything. And then she goes. You went home, didn't you? you? Were, I told you you, you shouldn't have. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, because I was trying to remember that. Um, also, she sounds a lot more sinister in the phone calls. <laughs> Is well, it just you me? know? It's well, like, that's because uh, she has she she. But, but you know, when the flash in the episode we've seen, she's not yet become one with the darkness yet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. As the as the Mudang? Is that what they call her? The shaman. They switched to Shaman halfway through the episode with the subtitles. It was like Mudang up until that point, and yeah. they like, "You know what's going on? Let's just translate it for you." <laughs> Does anyone so like I think that's going to play into it, and also we might get you know uh, we might get some you know Jesus Christ analogies where Tick must die to rise again or something. You know there might be another kind of he might be mm. needed as part of a ritual, but then like when he dies, he can come back and then some curse will be lifted or something. You know what I mean? Were you at any point concerned or convinced that maybe there were two ticks? What? No. Okay. Because at one point I was like, "Ooh, are they going down that route where?" The tick we've seen isn't like is possessed in some way as well. Yeah, no, wasn't really thinking that. No, okay. I figured I, I figured they laid enough groundwork with him being terrified of her that he knew something had happened. Yeah. What do you think about the shaman, uh, Gia's mother, and everything with regards to the? Oh, you, you'll get your daughter back. I'm just that shaman looks a very very clean and b creepy. You know, I don't trust her, so I'm like, I'm sure like. Oh, a hundred souls and then your daughter back. I don't know mm. whether that, you know, you'll get your your daughter's corpse or you'll get her only she's made entirely out of spider. You know, I'm thinking there's some, there's got to be some trick. And when, when the mother says to the shaman at the end, oh yeah, I'll take on any cost. It's like, don't say that. Explain what the cost is first. Also, is Gia some kind of savior to this whole story? Like, does she actually join the Justice League, the International Justice League? Does she make her way to Chicago and, oh, that'd be great. I'd yeah, that. because then you have a monster fighting on their side as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, maybe her and Letty kill Tick, and then the two of them just go off and have adventures on their own. <laughs> Lovecraft <laughs> Country Season 2. I would pay money to watch that. That would be great. Uh, there, is a, there is a fantastic, um, I guess, uh, equivalent of the James Baldwin speech that we hear when they go to see The Shaman. This mm. one is actually Judy Garland herself. Um, And it's a recording that Garland made in 1964 before she wrote her autobiography. Right. It's basically it's it's basically screw everybody. Right. Screw all these. (laughs) these Pretty much. I thought Judy Garland was actually on Twitter when I heard that. Like, (laughs) that was pretty much what it sounded like. It's like, who are these people? They're fucking dead is who they are. Yeah. Judy Garland, edgelord. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, At Garland 77. Um, uh, the, the the Judy Garland shit poster has logged on <laughs> exactly 
but no, I have to say the 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 the, the choices they make and the, the and that they have made throughout the series with these narrative segments have been absolutely fantastic. I've enjoyed every one of them and it's actually made me go and try and look for like the whole speech or the full recording. Um, mm. I mean, I haven't I haven't I haven't had time to read the play that was referenced in the last episode, but even that sounds like something really really cool. And I think one thing I love about the series is that it keeps pointing me off in different directions um mm. to new things that might be cool and interesting. And in that yeah. way, what Misha Green has done is actually like she's padded out the book in a really interesting and fun way like uh, what was it you pointed out ian the photography from the first and second episode for the road trip yeah yeah it was based upon like real photography from the time correct and it's just all of that stuff is just it's very cool just i keep learning new things with every episode this is like research the movie uh, it's basically misha green was like <laughs> misha green was reading the book and then like taking notes of like i could do a research trip here i could do a research trip yeah. here i could just go sit in a library for like six days and get like all these references and i'm gonna get hbo to pay me handsomely for it <laughs> and don't forget we haven't seen hippolyta in two whole episodes just... yes i was going yeah. as well yeah they I'd were still on the, the road episode i'd hate the next episode to be hippolyta's because then it's like almost three episodes in a row where we don't see our main heroes as much. We're not following the main thread of the story as much. Yeah, it'd be. I think if they to cut them a little better, a little more, it would be a little bit more nicer. Like maybe they got you. They got us hooked. You know, yeah. with one kind of bait, and that, yeah. it's not that they're changing the show in any way. That's bad. It's just that this is peak TV, and it's like. But there's only so much of it to come and you're going to feel like, oh, so we've had a steak course and then we've had a salmon course and now we have the uh, Jolly Rancher course. And it's like, this isn't quite the same. Yeah. That being said, this is the main thread of the story. Like, like so in the book, all of these characters are important. So it's yeah. not mm. just Dick and Letty, but I think it's the structure of an episodic TV series. Um, yeah. And the fact that Journey Smollett and Jonathan Majors are such huge stars um, that the story was kind of focused on them so early on. But mm. if you're following the idea of a book of the book, then this anthology actually makes complete sense. So even if the next episode was a Hippolyta story, it's chapter seven. Mm. You know what I mean? No, like, but like you kind of, when you make, when you convert a book into yeah. a TV show, you kind of have to make your decisions, right? You have to pick your battles about which stories you want to follow and which stories that ah. sort of fall by the website. Yeah. But it all it's, pays it's off the, is if they're it, going along the right route. Right. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the Tom Bombadil decision, right? As, as as someone who's, you know, you've read the book, Uma, where where can they go if there's a season two? Will there be a season two? Do you I don't know. The way it's going right now, it feels like this season might wrap up the events of the book. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they go and then they go off script. Spoilers for here, there's plenty of racism to go around for more no, seasons. No, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering cuz like I don't know if it's a thick book, if it's a thick, you know, like do we get is it just gonna like end episode the last episode and then realize the books are not quite complete yet and that we've got season 2 to build that up. I don't so it's know. It's like an expectations thing. Because I think there's enough story in the world to actually push it into a season two. There's enough story in the world to make a 10 episode TV series ever so often. That's a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, even 20. 
Yeah, the you know the but here at the end of it, basically when the uh, when the credits roll and the HBO letters turn up, they just all switch to BBC and that's it. That's all you're getting. You get a ten episode miniseries. You're done. Yep, I won't be surprised. That's what happened with Watchmen. Yeah, but I mean, Watchmen, it's a piece. It's of a piece. This could be of a piece as well. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe HBO are like they're frantically scramp- scrapping all ideas for season two because it worked so well for Watchmen at the Emmys. Yeah, but I want to come back to what Um was talking about earlier about like uh, about how this is pulling everything in. And um, there's an article. It's a, it's a great title, and I can never remember the fullness of the video, but I think it's an article as well called "Everything Is a Remix." Right. Mm. I think it's a book as well, and all, pulling all those pieces into this story, like this could be a basic spooky Hollywood, sto- spooky ghost stories. But like all those extra references, moving it from TV show to a book or from a book to a TV show, right? Those speeches and things like that, they add to it, and it's doing a remix in a really nice, different way. Because you look at different remixes in different genres or media before, you know, it's taking um, oh, I can't remember. Is it like rappers delight takes the baseline that like everything takes? Right. You know what I mean? Yep. There's like, yep. and and you hear that over and over again, and they've done that a little bit with TV shows where you get bits and pieces of things through different lenses. But I think this is a really interesting way of doing it. And did you guys ever remember Dark Skies TV show? Yeah, of course. Of course, it was a good show. That's like, that's like, yeah, they had foolish of them. They announced that they had a plan for like, I think every show, like the Queen, ahead of their time, uh, they were going to be one season, I think would be a decade. Oh, did they say that? Like they announced that beforehand? Yeah, oh yes, they cursed their show to death. Um, (laughs) But it was, but uh, but here it was aliens who came to Earth and I think they were small, gross little guys who could possess people and the guy's wife got possessed and they were slowly, it was X-Filesy and it was going to lead up to the events of the modern day. Like they were going to have all sorts of like tie-in with shuttle things and all sorts of things like Mm, that. Like shuttle mm. missions would be actually missions for them and lead up to the the modern day and the millennium and uh, they got it got cancelled so fast. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. But something, you know, this that could be, you know, the like the Queen. The Queen does, I think, a decade for two seasons, right? Not the Queen, the Crown, right? Sorry, I keep forgetting that mistake. So yeah, I mean, we've we're in the we're in the fifties, sixties, seventies. There's so much stuff that they could pull from, yeah, and do stuff with. And other mythologies and other, yeah. you know, they literally can just they, I put up a dartboard and throw up like different, you know. So here's some Stephen King. We'll just get some Stephen King stuff in there. Did I have mm. a wait? Have HBO had any Stephen King related TV shows? Did they? Not TV the shows. I think, I think so, they've no. got. Oh wait, uh, the one you reviewed, uh, the The Outsider. Yes. So there's a oh. relationship. So you know, you could you could get some. There's a clown. There's a clown in a small town in Maine. You know, kind of thing. Right. right. Wait, hang on. Isn't what's that show? That's that's already the other Stephen King show that's on that other channel. What is it? Is that on Hulu? Castle Rock. Yes. <laughs> they're already oh, doing shit. that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Well, I mean, they're doing that. And then, of course, it'll be interesting to see the Netflix experiment with The Haunting of Hill House with Bly Manor, where they're using the vast majority of the same cast, but telling a completely different story. A different story. Yeah. That's the American true. horror story style. Yeah. And I think mm. that would be an interesting approach as well to see if Lovecraft Country can hold up as an anthology series of an anthology series um, yeah. uh, where they tell a completely different story with Lovecraftian mm. horror. Um, mm. You could fucking set it in space on Mars, <laughs> but with black yeah. people instead. So it's different okay. and representative. 
Who knows? I would watch that show. Uh, on the timelines thing. So this is 1950. When does the show normally take place again? I didn't go back to the first episode to double check. Well, I mean, at the end of this episode, Tick says he can go back. So assuming after his wild adventure with Gia at her house, yeah. he would have sort of jumped on that plane real fast quick, right? Also, there's no direct flight from Korea to Lovecraft Country. So that would have taken a while. Plus, he was in mm. Florida for a bit, right? And then he went, he was only, he was only going to Chicago to look for his dad. So there could have been some time. So I think, I, I think it's mid fifties, right? So this Gia has some time to have grown into her darkness or, you know, or, you know, becoming, become an avenging. I mean, if she becomes a supernatural vigilante, then does she lose her soul? Or like, again, is the Mubang lying and actually she's just going to become, you know, the daughter's lost forever, or this is her daughter, or, you know, the memories. She'll just get the memories, but still be a nine-tailed fox. It's, none of that is clear, and I don't trust that shaman at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyone who says, yeah. come back to me after you've collected 100 souls. <laughs> yeah. The invention, sorry, that was the invention of the MMO fetch quest. Correct, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was all from Korean shamans. <laughs> um, to get up before they before that it took them a long time to get up that hill because first they had to go collect 10 rats and then go collect 10 feathers <laughs> what do we have left was what i was thinking at the end of this episode so i mean you've got tick who's kind of decoding uh the encrypted language and who's going to end up in an snm torture dungeon at some point based upon the visions of this episode correct yep. you still have ruby dealing with the fact that now she can transmogrify into a white person yep uh, Hippolyta's still on a road trip. Yeah, well, yeah, she's on a road trip, and also we have to figure out what happened with the Aurory, whether they have her cosmic adventure, right? Yeah, correct. Mm. That would be cool. Which is from the, huh. um, that's the animated episode, the animated musical episode. Because <laughs> I, 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 you've only just we already have what you've mentioned about this to go on, and it's very light. So I've just assumed it's Little Nemo in Dreamland, but like, <laughs> spacing. Um, but then there's all those small threads in the background that we were talking about last week like what's going on with Lancaster and his chest what as uh, Christina's plans are is there, is there a lodge war coming between the lodges They're talk they talked last week about defections between the different places mm. how is that you know is Tick going to form a lodge what's going on with Montrose Ooh. we still haven't addressed any of that stuff there's been no comeuppance for him murdering someone in cold blood we don't know how much he knows because he seems to know a lot more than he's letting on still. Mm. Well, he, I mean, he read the book, so he has that knowledge. He's just not telling you because that will get you in trouble as opposed to ignorantly blundering into death traps at every t turn. Nice yeah. one, Dad. So there are four episodes left. And I think, I think one of them, because the Hippolyta thing was quite crucial in the novel. So I think one of those episodes will still have to be a Hippolyta-centered or Hippolyta slash Diana centered episode. Mm -hmm. And then mm. we'll have three episodes to wrap things up, which I think is entirely possible. Is the Hippolyta road trip thing in the book where she's going to Ar Ardham country, Ardham County. When last we saw her, she was looking at the map and saying like, we're going to go to Ardham. We're going to the name of the, we're going to the name of the show. And Peter Griffin said, ha they said the name of the thing. But in that episode, we only had the boys go on the adventure in the novel. Right. So, right. Well, what, do you mean? What, what, what adventure are you talking about? The beginning when they went to Ardham? No, I'm talking no, about when they go to the museum. Oh, when they went to the museum. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, they've shifted things around there, but the orrery also plays a very important role. So which is why I think they've mentioned it enough times that it's an important mm. device and Christina actually went to the house to get it. So I'm yeah. assuming that's got a big part to play and that's coming yeah. soon. So we may have one more digressive episode. 
Maybe they'll fit her um, Artem journey and her Ori journey into one episode where it's like she's explaining to Diana what's going on or what something yeah. like that. Or, but I mean, I would like to see. I know it's an anthology series, but we should get back to what's going on with Ruby taking it. What's going on in Chicago? We like we should kind. They should start setting things up. Like we still don't know what the show's about, really. <laughs> Actually, we That's don't. True. Right? I mean, watching yeah. this, and and I can see how that might be frustrating for some people. Like, you know, you've got so much to watch and if you've committed five to six hours of your life already and you still can't tell what the show is about, you might be out. Mm. But yeah, I keep going back to the fact that it's so well written and so well constructed that it's just a pleasure to watch either way. I, I yeah. can see how I would have been really frustrated at this kind of digressive episode if it wasn't this well put together. Like I was watching this episode yeah. and I was guessing... I was kept guessing throughout as to who Gia is and what she's up to. And, oh, my God, she's a wolf demon. I mean, you know, all of that stuff. It's, it's all very kind of compelling to see it acted out and performed by these people because they're so good at it. Compelling is uh, the way. Is that how you refer to all the sexy times in this sexy show? Sexy times, yeah. Because <laughs> it's That's not TV. It's a lot of sexy times. Well, you know why. But you know why, here. It's not TV. It's HBO. Yeah. But yes. also, but also, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, it is a sure sign that the message of the show is every time people have sex, bad things happen. <laughs> this is the best PSA for yeah. premarital sex. <laughs> exactly. Just show, just show kids this, you know, just get them hooked on stuff like that and just go, yeah. Take a lady have sex have... for the first time, fucking ghosts show up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Ian. My, my notes were uh, surprisingly sparse as well. I mean, there were a lot of interesting decisions made as well with the music. So because it was set mm. in the past and because it was focused on Judy Garland, you kind of had music from Judy Garland movies, but you didn't have any of the other cool things that they did throughout the series where they were using modern songs to punctuate moments. But also the OST alone, um, the scene where... Um uh, Ando from Heroes is getting ripped apart like the yep. lead up to that the music was just like it's so good it sounds like Bond music you know what I mean yep. it's like soaring or orchestral the the mm -hmm. soundtrack for this I have to have they been releasing pieces each week on Spotify or anything I haven't checked that out yet but like I remember watching that in the earlier episodes as well because there's a, there's some like you know Danny Elfman bits yes. on one episode yeah. but then they completely forget about that and move on to soaring strings and emotions the next and yeah it really does a good job of selling the tone of what they're doing in any one moment yeah. that might not otherwise fly. Yeah. And it really stands out. I mean, Atticus Ross and um, Trent Reznor got the, an Emmy for Watchmen, right? For the music yeah, they for did. That. I mean, it's, I, yep. I think it's a lot less showy what they're doing here, but it's as good, if not better, because if they're fitting so many different styles and genres in. Yeah. yeah. But they're really nailing lean, yeah. all of them. They're really leaning into the anthology piece with regards to the music as well, right? Like how... The you know like you said some episodes feel very goony some 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 episodes with the music feels a little more sort of straight up you know national treasure type stuff this one feels a lot more early James Bondy sort of mystery stuff so they're really not concerned about having the 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 soundtrack sort of be a one continuous style it's 
it matches mm. each episode and and, it's, and that's 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 a ridiculous metaphor. That's a ridiculous <laughs> <And> <laughs> right. Like also, if it's, it's like they've done a Bond soundtrack for like a single scene. Like it doesn't sound like we're getting the same music at all twice. And it's so like I want to go back and just listen. I but it's just the music is so good. Dash mm. romantic adventures, and that leads you nicely into him being torn horribly apart. And like, how was this show made three years ago? And they've just been tweaking all the little bits and pieces because it's it sticks for it, it looks feels like, like yeah. so it much feels, it looks yeah. like it that that korea they're the korean house you know like oh, we're, we're kind of poor we can't afford cabbage it's like that set is fucking huge yeah 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 <laughs> like they got a tank <laughs> i mean sure you can probably i mean i think you can find some old sherman tanks around the u.s i'm sure but and it's a very small corner of korea that you get to see yeah but there's so much detail and yeah. you know we're going to really do it yeah i could just see like you know they're signing the hbo executives are signing off and they're like yeah this all looks good we can do all this we have a backlog what's this korea <laughs> like, i mean look they've got all that sort of leftover hang on hbo doesn't have a backlog right <laughs> no they don't i don't think no but they don't have to do game of thrones this year so they've got excess money yeah <laughs> so you know yeah, there's, there's, there's all these there's all these people standing around in Northern Ireland saying like, well, "What are we supposed to do now?" Yeah, there's an entire industry. <laughs> Where are all the tourists? Yeah, the entire industry. In their Game of Thrones up. t-shirts. Yeah. They're all, they're all standing and giant foam fingers. They're all, they're all no, they're all standing on like very picturesque mountains in giant IKEA bath rugs over their shoulders, going, "Financial winter is coming." Yeah. And the one guy, and the one guy with a lightsaber and a Last Jedi t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um. All we know now is that Gia definitely has a bigger role to play and there's much more shit coming because the last line of the episode was, you have not even become one with the darkness yet. You, you will see countless, countless deaths death before, before your journey your is done. Journey is done. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, oh, oh actually, uh, quick recommendation. There is a, let me get his name right. Park Hyun So mm-hmm. did a horror film called The Fox with the Nine Tails. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is also focused on a Kimiho that falls in love and is trying to be human. So it's it, it seems like that's a story that mm. is quite popular and keeps repeating in Korean folklore. Oh yeah, mm. like um, there's a League of Legends character who has nine tails, and also isn't there an episode of Love, Death, and Robots? Yes. Because I was I was I was seeing that in my head, and I was like. What is this animated thing I'm thinking of? And it's like, oh God, there's so much going on in Love, Death and Robots as well to keep you going with that. But there was a, I can't remember how it ended. I'm pretty sure it was badly, but there was the the kid who haunted spirits, right? His dad. And they were like hiding the daughter of a nine-tailed spirit or something. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, they crop up a, a lot. No, I'm looking forward to episode seven. Um, let us know your thoughts on Lovecraft Country, episode six, Meet Me in Daigu. Did you like the digression? Did you think it was annoying? Do you, do you want to get back to Tick? Who's I want to get who back to Tick. Who are you standing for? I want to get back to Tick. I, I'm okay. I, I can do with more digressions if they're this good. I, I'm done. I want to get back to the main adventures now. I think it is just the, it's the, ten, it's the lim, knowing the limit is coming. Like if yes. this was just, if this had no end in sight, I'd be like, sure, go book wild. But as it is, it's like, <laughs> if they leave on, if, if the episode 10 is a cliffhanger, I'm just like, nah, get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> we'll burn all of these podcasts. <laughs> like, and I don't mean like Watchmen kind of ends on a cliffhanger, but it doesn't really. No, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It kind of gives you enough hints and you're like, I'm happy for you. You can walk on water yes. now. 
<laughs> you, Spoilers. you can walk on water now and you have an Emmy. Exactly. <laughs> you have all of the Emmys. Um, um, you can get in touch with us on all of our social media feeds. That's uh, GogglerMY. Also email us on podcast at goggler.my. You've been listening to yet another exciting episode of Lovecast Peasantry. Ian, Uma and Bahir signing out. <laughs>